If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. Today on the show, I'm joined by Navy veteran and serial entrepreneur, Renee Bob, who runs our Breaking Barriers and Entrepreneurship Workshop Series. Renee specializes in the training and development of small business owners, where she runs workshops for universities, community organizations, and any companies interested in supporting small business owners. When she's not doing that, she's helping authors publish their own books through a publishing arm or running the Music City Icons, the semi-professional women's basketball team that she purchased a few years back. Renee is multifaceted and knows more than a thing or two about entrepreneurship. On the transition, she opens up about her challenges being an entrepreneur and having a family, how she got into training small business owners, and what entrepreneurs can expect from the Breaking Bears and Entrepreneurship Workshop series. Before you hear from Renee and I, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I do my best to send out a newsletter at least once a week, sharing the latest episode of The Transition. And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or message me on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Renee, welcome to The Bunker. What's going on? Thank you so much, Mike. So happy to be here. I can't really say welcome to The Bunker. I should be saying welcome back to The Bunker because you do so much work for this organization, particularly around the Breaking Barriers and Entrepreneurship Workshop Series that I've had the privilege of uh, running the marketing and branding sessions for. And uh, it's just great to, to finally have you on the platform. Thank you so much. And, and you know, what's interesting is your presentation is something that everybody wants the recording from, you know, because you dropped so many great nuggets about branding, marketing, and really kind of how to kind of get to that next level. And they love it. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it. You know, I think for me, right, like I came in the bunker around 2017 and I know what it's like in those early days. And after, you know, doing it the wrong way for like four or five years, you've started to finally realize what works and what doesn't work. So I just try to show people the faster, more effective way to do marketing and branding uh, at these workshop series. So, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to support the community and we have this platform to support as well. And so first off, please introduce yourself to those of our listeners who aren't familiar with you. Excellent. So again, my name is Renee Bob, and I'm the owner of Renee Bob Training, and we are an empowerment training development firm, and we focus in four specific areas, financial empowerment, um, grant funding, book publishing, and entrepreneurship. So I have 17 books that I've published. I'm a best-selling author, and so I travel around the country. I do a lot of webinars, and I teach seminars and educate people about how to you know, start and grow their own business. And so I'm here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm also the owner of the Music City Icons, a semi-professional women's basketball team 
uh, where we're a feeder to the WNBA and um, international teams as well. So if y'all see Renee in person, you will understand uh, why. She makes Iron Mike feel small. She makes me feel like a pebble, not, uh, not iron. But um, now, you sh- I don't think she's giving yourself – I don't think you're giving yourself enough uh, credit. You're a serial entrepreneur that's yes. running multiple ventures. Mm-hmm. Like me, you also have a business coach, and we're going to yes. talk about that too, about how important it is to have people in our corners that we can go to and uh, that know that pattern recognition, you know, that can give us that advice. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting in celebrating Black History Month, I am the first Black female to win the Nashville Business Journal um, Veteran of the Year Award. So I won that a couple of years ago. They've never had any Black person to win, so I'm so excited, female to win, so I'm so excited to be the recipient of that award. So I'm an award-winning entrepreneur also, so I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, we don't give ourselves enough flowers. You know, <laughs> give them, take the flowers, you know, hold them mm-hmm. up. So award-winning yeah. entrepreneur, award-winning author. Yeah. And, you know, people reach out to me on this podcast, on LinkedIn and all these different platforms. And I'm going to tell y'all, it's okay to pat yourself on the back. That's a hard thing for us to do as veterans because we leave the military. And in the military, you know, you don't really wear it on your chest, right, unless you're in the Army. Dreams, <laughs> we don't wear that stuff on our chest unless we're all dressed up. But for the most part, right, we're very humble. We're not we're not braggadocious. But you know, when you when you're going through this entrepreneurial race, when you're just one of one, sometimes you gotta look yourself in the mirror and give yourself your own pep talk and acknowledge the compliments you've done. And when you do close a client or get that big deal or get that award, it's okay to celebrate and acknowledge it. So I'm giving you that permission as our listeners to Give yourself your own flowers. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting with the entrepreneurs I work with, I have them to keep um, an, uh, you know, a recognition list, an awards list where they kind of keep track of all their wins that's happening so that when that opportunity comes to speak or somebody wants to do a story, you have a list of all those things that you've done. But, you know, if you come to Nashville, Tennessee, you come to the Nashville Entrepreneur Center, you will see this big, big beautiful poster of me in the Entrepreneur Center and because I also won, you know, Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Entrepreneur Center. And then several years ago, I found out that somebody was watching all the work that I do in helping homeless uh, military veterans. And so I found out that I was nominated for the Tennessee Titan Volunteer Quarterback of the Year Award. And I ended up winning $10,000, took that check and gave it to a nonprofit agency where they're able to build a computer lab. Excuse me. So now I have some place to go where I can teach people how to fish. That's amazing. I yeah. love that. And I think this is a good tie-in point uh, to our next piece here where we take off our armor because by all means, right, like you're a successful entrepreneur. You've got these awards. You're right. running the, the, the workshop series for Bunker. So on the outside, people assume that you've got it all going on. Talk to us about on the inside, right? Take off your armor for us. Let us know something you're struggling with either personally or professionally as an entrepreneur? So that's a really, really good point. So what's interesting is I have two amazing children. Uh, My son is 24. He just graduated from University of Alabama. He has a full-time job. He also owns a clothing line. My daughter is 28 years old and she's a nail tech to the stars, right? So they both have the entrepreneur spirit by, you know, watching me and watching their dad, right? So my son has an opportunity and, um, He wants to hold on to that full-time job for security reasons, right? 
um, only because he watched me and his dad struggle as an entrepreneur. And he wants to have, even though the business is doing very well financially, his accountant shows him how the business is doing very well, but he still feels like that security blanket has to be in place in order for him to be able to really kind of move, move where he wants to go. So, you know, my biggest struggle is sharing with him that my journey and his dad's journey is not his journey, right? He's in a totally different generation. He has access to so many resources, um, but he still wants to hold on. So, you know, I'm constantly working with him, which is a challenge for me because, again, they watch me struggle as an entrepreneur. They watch me struggle trying to get clients. They watch me struggle through the journey. And so they sometimes, you know, are hesitant to kind of step out there and do what needs to be done. So that's my biggest challenge right now. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners, especially people that you've never met. But, you know, we've all been there to those points, not necessarily having kids, but this idea of giving up that blanket of security. And, you know, I'll take off my armor now, too, of, you know, I was texting one of my graphic designers, a young a young man I work with here in Newark, and I'm always looking at other people's brands. Right. And I'm like, man, I want my brand to look like that. Or I'm always thinking that this is better. And he told me, keep your eyes on your own paper. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, right, we compare ourselves unjustly and just like your son said just because that was your race doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to be his race and then in addition to that like when you guys started i'm going to make some assumptions but i don't think you had a business coach and you had all these these organizations that you were part of and stuff you know we just kind of jumped out here and did the best we could with what we have but now thanks to platforms like this and podcasting and the network you've built of amazing entrepreneurs all over the country. It's not like they have to go at it alone. But in order to understand that and really appreciate that, you can't necessarily be looking at other people's paper. You just got to look at what you have in front of you and make the most of it. Absolutely. And technology plays a big part, you know, like having access to all of this information. And you literally can watch some YouTube videos, like you said, some podcasts, And you can learn a process and you can get out there and you can apply it. And the beautiful thing about technology is that it kind of levels the playing field a little bit, you know, as you know, because you again, I'm able to use this platform to kind of get my message out there. So now what we got to talk about is Bunker Labs, right? (laughs) Because I know I came in Bunker Labs in 2017 and you came in around what was it 2018 or so down in Nashville Talk to us about how you found out about Bunker Labs. So five years prior to that, I actually um, met Blake, um, who's now the CEO of Bunker Labs. And um, he was talking about Bunker and he was talking about how they didn't have any minorities in Bunker. And so he really wanted to be able to get, you know, some more of my diverse entrepreneurs to participate. So he kept asking and asking and asking. So I finally said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go through the cohort. So I had just purchased the, the basketball team. And as you know, it's one thing to own a team, then it's to play and play the sport. So it's totally different, right? I'm a great basketball player, but I've never owned a basketball team, but I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I took the basketball team through the cohort, which was amazing. I did a crowdfunding campaign on iFundWomen. We were able to raise over 350% of what our, our, you know, our goal was. But I think that Bunker Labs going through the VIR really helped me to kind of get clear about my mission, my vision. And back then we had to do a pitch. 
And so Nate and Blake were our instructors. And if you got up there and you sucked, they told you, 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 you were not doing very well. And you need that honest feedback. Because sometimes people say everything is great. You're doing wonderful when you're not really doing wonderful. So I love the fact that they were honest and gave that feedback and gave me that platform to talk about, you know, the basketball team. And so then after doing that for a little while, um, I found out that they had an opportunity for a position as a regional executive director for the West Coast. And so I applied for the opportunity. I secured the opportunity. I did it for about a year. And then, of course, the pandemic happened and they had no need for that position. And I transitioned into a training and development opportunity. So Bunker is actually my client where I'm doing the um, Breaking Barriers Breaking Barry's Entrepreneurship Workshop Series as um, an independent contractor for Bunker. And I love doing that because it's all the things that I love to do as an entrepreneur, teaching, training, and build and, and really bringing support and resources around these entrepreneurs to help them to grow. That's such an important part of the entrepreneurial journey is also finding who fills you up as a client, like who do you enjoy spending your time with? Who do you enjoy working with? And it just makes the experience so much better. And so, you know, it's great that not only have you come through these, the program that Bunker provides, but now you're able to give back through your venture by empowering the next generation of entrepreneurs through these, these various different workshop series. So kudos to you. And uh, again, you. it's an honor to be able to work on those workshops with you. And we've now, been doing it now for about 18 months. And so we have a little bit over 200, you know, entrepreneurs that have come through the program, which focuses on the Black entrepreneur, female, Latinx, and then um, Asian American entrepreneurs also. And it's military spouses and the military connected community. Not to mention all the grants that these entrepreneurs Absolutely. have been able to and win. Yeah, we're up to $628,000 in grant funding. And the beautiful thing about that is that they're able to use the funds to hire staff for marketing and advertising for those real tangible things they need in order to kind of, you know, to hire people and to really scale their company. We got to make sure we include a link or something in the chat, because I know you're always pushing out these email lists yeah. of grants to apply for. And because I've been in the hustle myself, I haven't been applying for a lot of these grants, but they're great opportunities for, you know, non-dilutive capital. Um, for the entrepreneurial community here at Bunker. So uh, I got to make sure that I'm taking advantage of it. And I'm also pushing out this information um, in the show notes and the newsletter. Excellent. So, so Renee, take us back. Take us back to how you end up becoming a veteran entrepreneur. So you served in the Navy, correct? I, wa I want to hear the story. Yeah, I served in the United States Navy five and a half years. And my um, job was telecommunications operator but I really played NATO basketball. And so um, until Desert Storm happened and they were like, you got to take off your sneakers and you have to serve and do what you've been called to do. And at that time I was on the USNS Henry J. Kaiser and we were out in the Red Sea. And I look around me, I'm like, what am I doing all the way out here in the Red Sea? There are so many different things that I want to do you know, in my life. I've always known that I wanted to be a business owner. So once my time was up, I, my last duty station was in um, Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia. I decided to make the transition out. And so I was actually finishing up my degree at Norfolk State University. And I had a professor, Dr. Brown, never forget him, where you had to do a biography, you know, about your life, about where you, where you come from, where you are today and where you're going. So I submitted my paper to him and then he called me in the office and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that I might be in trouble. 
So he, um, and when I got to his office, he had a stack of books, Thinking Grow Rich, Madam C.J. Walker book, all kinds of books on entrepreneurship. And he was like, Renee, I'm reading your bio and you really need to focus on being an entrepreneur. So I changed up my major and started focusing on interdisciplinary studies with a concentration of marketing, social work, and business administration. Got my degree. And when I made the transition, I started a career consulting firm where I was working with other military veterans and their families to help them to make a holistic transition out of the military. So like I joined the Navy in Brooklyn, New York, but I got out in Virginia. Brooklyn, Virginia, two totally different worlds, right? And so the one thing that I did very well was to build up my support system prior to getting out. I volunteered in the community. I went to all kinds of entrepreneurial activities that were on campus. So it helped with my transition, even though my transition was extremely challenging being a single parent at the time. So I started this career consulting firm and I remember going to um, SCORE and um, the service office of a retired business owner. And so I- Service School. Corps of Retired Executives. Yeah, executives, I, yeah I, executives. I start there too as I think about it. Yeah. And so I showed them my business plan and my first year in business, I was going to make $3.8 million. And they was like, you, you're crazy. Like that, that's not going to happen. And so they really kind of, you know, shook me a little bit by saying that my business plan wasn't realistic. But then, you know, when I took a step back and I looked at how many books can I really sell? How many speaking engagements can I really do, right? I'm only one person. And so they were able to help show me how to break it down and make it as realistic as possible. So I started sending out proposals, started getting speaking engagements, started winning grant funding. And when I did my speaking, teaching, and training, people would always say, well, where's your book? Where's your cassette tape? Remember that? Where's your VHS tape? You don't know about that, Mike. You don't know nothing about that. I, I will say this, right? I listened to, what's the, what's the guy's name? Um, Jim Rome. Yeah, and I know back in the day that a lot of these speakers we know now they had the tapes. Absolutely. And so even though I don't have tapes myself, <laughs> right, I do listen to some of these some of these uh, speakers. Yeah, so that was my time frame, right, back in the day before MP3s and CDs, and so I didn't have any of that. So I took a speech that I was giving for the Small Business Administration called "Look Before You Leap into Business," and I gave that presentation to a graphic designer. And he did a book cover. He put it into book format. I had a big speaking engagement at a local church in Virginia around entrepreneurship. And once I finished speaking, I had a line of people out the door ready to purchase a copy of this book. It cost me 75 cents to produce, but I was selling the books for $10. And fast forward that year, I sold over 50,000 copies of that book. And that's when the book publishing lady was born. But, you know, it, it was challenging just kind of figuring out the process, you know, um, building up my support system. And, you know, at that particular time, you know, I really pride myself on being connected with the free organizations that were available that had free resources that I was able to tap into. And that's what really helped me to kind of start and grow my company. But it was challenging being a single mother and trying to juggle and struggle. The beautiful thing was my mom actually would travel with me when I speak. And so she would watch the kids so that I was able to kind of do my thing. And that was such a blessing. I'm going through the book writing process now for my book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur. And they told us that, like, most authors 
don't even sell more than 200 books. That's correct. If you're selling 3,000 books, right, you're in the upper echelon. If you're selling 50,000 books, you're in the stratosphere. So kudos to you for that. A lot of people think that people write these books and that they're just off to the races, they're uber successful, but that's not the case at all. No, not at all. And you're right, about 200 books. That's the average self-published author. And so it's not as easy as glamorous as what they think, but the book gives you an opportunity to get your message out there. It gives you credibility and establish yourself as an expert. But I think the most important thing is that when I go on to glory, my book will still be here. So it's an opportunity for it to leave a legacy for my children's children, nieces, nephews, and so on and so forth. So my book will always be here. So we do it in three different formats. We do the paperback, we do the ebook, and then we do the audio book also, which of course, you know, has more longevity and more reach as well. So people hear this and they say, okay, you've done this book. You got 50,000 copies sold. You're doing all these workshops. But then at the same time, you know, you mentioned in the beginning how your son sees the struggle and it makes him hesitant to want to jump in the entrepreneurial arena. Talk to us more about that because, you know, that's something I'm trying to educate people on now of. They see the Instagrams. They see all these people out here that just look like they're winning it all the time. But entrepreneurship is like a doggy dog fight each and every day. And some days you're doing better than others. But for those of us, just be quite frank, of color that don't necessarily start our ventures with a lot of financial support. You know, it's not, you know, winning looks different at times. Absolutely. And so I can remember back in um, 2008 during the Great Recession. And unfortunately, my family, we were hit hard um, because 95% of my revenue was coming from individual people. And so when people had issues, I ended up having issues. So my real issue was not being proactive. I was reactive. And sometimes we're like that. We can see something coming up and we can see it's not working, but because we're so comfortable and it feels good to us, we keep doing it over and over again, which is like madness. And so unfortunately, we end up losing everything. And um, I had to put the mirror up to myself, Mike. And I had to say, well, Renee, you're educated. You know, you've been on your entrepreneur all these years. How in the world did you end up in this situation? And I had to take responsibility. And it was being reactive rather than proactive. So I made a commitment at that time that I would never put all my eggs in one basket. I would never, you know, depend on money coming from one entity. So I had to learn the strategy and it, it, it took me hitting rock bottom, you know, in order to get that lesson that, you know, you have to diversify how money's coming to you because you can't count on, you know, individuals paying you stuff happens. Right. And so I began to diversify getting nonprofit contracts, um, government contracts, corporate contracts, you know, all these different entities of money coming in so that I never, ever have to go through that situation. So with entrepreneurship, it's like the lessons that you learn are for a reason and a season. And it may be for you, but it also may be for somebody else. Because I'm able to share now with my clients about making sure they diversify and they take some time to learn about money. So every day I spend at least an hour studying something around wealth, around money, around entrepreneurship and money, because I want to make sure that I'm educated, that I have the information And then I take the information and I apply the information. 
in order to be able to make the changes that I needed. But that was one of the hardest times of my life ever. And what's interesting is um, because of the military, I'm a very private person and private ends up being prideful, which means that when I was going through my situation, I couldn't tell anybody because everybody saw me as a superstar. But Renee Bob had to take off her superwoman cape and I had to be vulnerable and I had to say, you know, I'm going through these challenges and these issues. And I had to take a step back. I had to go out there and get a job, you know, and once I got that job and got that money coming in, I used those funds in order to rebuild the company back up. And it took me a shorter period of time to get back to six figures only because I learned that lesson and I was hungry and I never, ever wanted to experience that pain again. And it was painful. So there's a lot of teachable moments you just you just had there. And I want to make sure we break these down for our, our, our audience. You all have to diversify. So when you're first starting out in the early stage, you get that big client, you get that big wholesale order if you're selling products, you know, or, you know, you just got a lot of income coming in from one source. And what I have found that some of the most successful people in this country, they try to not have more than like 10% of their income or revenue in business coming in from one source because then you're exposed. And they talk about this exposure thing. And, you know, when the pandemic first hit, a lot of companies that were relying on that one client to be 80% of their revenue, you know, it's a whole situation when that goes away. Same thing for nonprofits. Nonprofits got to diversify. So what Renee is talking about is it's okay to, like, get really good at what you do, really good at serving this client. But you also need to make sure that you have revenue coming in from other sources as well because that client might not always be there. The other thing um, that she talked about was it's okay sometimes to have a job to pump cash into your business, particularly for those of us that are bootstrapped early stage founders. It just comes with the territory. When I started my business, Ironbound Boxing, the for-profit arm, before it came Ironbound Media, right? The only reason I was able to do what I did was because I had a lot of money I saved up for my previous job. That was the money that I invested. I didn't do what Renee did. Uh, or, you know, a lot of like Todd Connor recommends of you're working that full time job, built that business up into sustainability or even just enough for you to cover your livables, you know, whatever you need to live on and then transition. I quit my job and then had to make it up <laughs> later. <laughs> right. But there's a faster, better way to do it. And it is what Renee's talking about. And so, like you said, this pride. Right. There's all these people out here that tell us, oh, you need to quit your job. You need to go in full time. You need to do all this. Yes, there is something that comes with having your feet to the fire. You you work a little different. You move a little different. But at the same time, many of you all have families. Many of you all need to recognize where you are and going back to not looking at someone else's paper and just give yourself a timeline. Maybe you say, hey, I'm going to work in my job for the next six months until I'm able to earn this amount of money in the venture. And once you do, or if you don't, you just kind of reassess. So again, don't let pride get in the way of the things that are going to make you be successful and de-risk your venture. Absolutely. And your family should not have to suffer. Those of you that have family should not have to suffer while you're pursuing your dream, right? So, you know, you have to kind of have your priorities, not saying that your dream is not going to come true of being an entrepreneur, but there's nothing wrong with, 
hustling and grinding and having a plan, right? And so, you know, even during the pandemic, I unfortunately had um, had gotten COVID, um, right? Um, last two Novembers ago. And so unfortunately, I was down for 17 days. But my business had its highest revenue ever in the history of the company that month. So what that said to me was that I had some good systems in place so that the company is able to function with or without me. And so a lot of entrepreneurs, when they first start their business, they're hands on, they're doing everything, but you've got to create some systems so that you are able eventually to bring some people in to do certain things or use technology to do certain things so that you can stay in your zone of genius. Because we tend to get off our zone of genius and start doing everything. And in the beginning, we do do everything. But eventually, you have to be able to take a step back and say, well, what is my exit strategy? Do you have an exit strategy? Have you thought about what life looks like 5, 10, 15 years from now as an entrepreneur? I might need to bring you back on and we just do a powwow on systems because I fought against it uh, the longest time. And a lot of us didn't even know what systems are. Like business, business people talk about you need systems, you need systems. What are you talking about? Oh, you mean that when I invoice a client, I need to document the step-by-step process I go through whenever I'm creating an invoice. That way I can have somebody else do it for me to make things easier. Oh, that's what you mean. But, you know, when you're first starting out, there's all these terms and these lingos that we use in business that a lot of people are not familiar with, especially us as veterans and military spouses, because in the military, we learn bulkhead, you know, we know fragos, right? We know briefings, we know all this other stuff. We don't necessarily know business systems and RFPs and all this other stuff that is is found within the business community. So systems are very important, um, just like you said. And I love that you brought that up because I'm going back to my experience in boot camp and just some of the things that they train me in boot camp, I apply some of those principles to my business. And let me give you an example. So I received a contract to do some training for a local college, an HBCU, on financial literacy. So they, they received some grant funding to teach their students how to actually get rid of student loan debt. So I found out that the, who won the um, contract. I submitted my proposal. I ended up winning, right? So what I did was I hired a, um, a BA to do a Google research of other HBCUs to find out who else won the funding. And to reach out to them and say, you know, Renee did the training with this school. She would love to come in and do the same thing with your school. So that's what I mean by systems where I did something one time. I document, like you said, and then I brought somebody else on board to kind of do the legwork to help me to secure other opportunities doing the exact same thing with different entities. So we think that we have to do it with a lot of different entities. Is it possible that you can do the same thing and master your system and your zone of genius with one particular industry, one particular area, and then you kind of go out? Love it. So let me ask you this. You invested in a female basketball team, a woman's basketball team. At what part of the process did this come in your journey? So I was actually teaching um, an entrepreneur class for a local nonprofit agency that I had a contract with. And this young lady walks in, she's about 6'2", and we had the most amazing conversation about basketball. And she shared with me that the basketball team that was here in Nashville had folded and that I should think about owning my own team. I had never thought about you know, owning my own team because 
you know, when I made the transition out of the military, I did try out for the first ever, not to tell my age, WNBA team at Madison Square Garden. I didn't make it, but that thought came back when I was talking to this young lady that maybe this is another way that I can empower some athletes. So I met with the owner and he really didn't want the team any longer. So I acquired the team. I rebranded it, changed the name, and I launched, you know, launched this brand new team. And so the ultimate goal is to give these athletes a second chance at a basketball career. That just because you didn't make the WNBA doesn't mean that there's not international opportunities. And so there's six different leagues here in the U.S. that these women athletes can play in and compete, you know, um, and so we do our best to, to pay the players, of course, some, some money, but they're never going to make the kind of money here that they make playing international basketball. So we put a lot of energy on helping them to get to a combine where they can show their skills and get that contract to play overseas. So to date, we have nine players that have received contracts to play overseas basketball. And they're stars over there. They would love to play at home, but there's not as many opportunities in the WNBA as they are you know, playing international basketball. And of course, the money. They make so much more money playing overseas than they will here unless they are super, super duper star. So it sounds like what you've built is a platform, a platform to get them to the next level. Absolutely. And all my players have to take my financial literacy class. They have to have their resume on point. They have to have a plan of what they're going to do when their basketball career is over. We even help them with their credit. Um, help them to understand their credit. So when they get back, they have this lump sum of money. And we really work with the financial planner and them to educate them about what they're going to do with those finances when they get back so that they don't squander that money. That's amazing. And, you know, I do Ironbound Boxing here locally. That's something I'm passionate about. So I run a gym and, you know, I'm doing all this other stuff. But, you know, I try to tell people ventures aren't always about that monetary ROI. Right. If we're only focused on the money. Right. We're missing on the broader impact that we're able to make and the things that we care about. And it sounds like you're able to do that uh, with this basketball team. Now, when you mentioned uh, acquiring the team, was this something that you had to go out and get a bank loan for? Did you have to come out of pocket? What was that process like? Yes, yeah, a really, really good question. So I'm so used to bootstrapping and using my own money. And so I. With the basketball team, I didn't want to use my own money. So we ended up doing a crowdfunding campaign. And that's how we were able to raise the funds for the basketball team. And then I got three private investors. Um, and they didn't want equity in the company. They wanted to support what it is that I was doing. They wanted to mentor, mentor me through the journey. But they also wanted to put some seed, financial seed into what I'm doing. And they just want their money back with some interest, which was beautiful. So I didn't have to give up any type of equity. And then... Um, I ended up winning the American Express Top 100 Black Women Entrepreneur, and that came with the $25,000 grant as well. And we used those funds for the basketball team. These are kind of, like I keep telling people, this is the caliber of entrepreneurs we have here within the bunker. You know, like, yeah, it's nice to have all the people on Wired and Forbes and all this other stuff. But when I just kind of see your portfolio and the stuff that you're able to do, like you're, you've been there, you've experienced it. Like you said, you've, taking on seed capital from investors, right? You bootstrap, you're coaching, you're training. So, you know, you are what we picture when we think of the caliber of veteran entrepreneurs we have in this country. Absolutely. And I'm not afraid to do the work. And I, again, I have to attribute that to the, my military experience and basketball experience also. 
and then growing up in New York, right? And so in New York, it's either like you thrive or you die, right? And so I take that same mentality into my entrepreneurial world. Like either I get out here and make some phone calls and get some sales or we're not going to eat. Like we have to do the work in order to get the results. I can't spin around five times and hope and pray that I'm going to get a contract. I have to physically get out there and do the work. I almost want to do a whole episode on doing the work because sometimes like we get caught up in the goals and the visions as if it's already happened. Like me, this book, I'm like, oh yeah, I can't wait till I can do all this stuff. But guess what? You got to do the work. What's the work? You got to sit there and you got to write and you got to write and you got to write. You got to get it. You got to write. So in your own lives and in your own ventures, yeah, it's great to have these goals and these aspirations. But like I equate it to this, that labor that gets up every day and goes and does construction all day for nine, 12 hours a day and then come home. We can't just work on our ventures for an hour and think that, like, we're going to have all this progress. You've got to do the work, right? And you can do it effectively, but most important thing is, like, it's not going to come easy, especially initially. So make sure that you are blocking off that time and doing the work that's going to drive the most results in your ventures. And I love how you said effective work. So I remember when I made the transition to Tennessee and, you know, my goal was with this financial literacy that I was going to go into a low income community and I was going to educate them about how they can get off of welfare and how they can get their lives in order. And so I went to the social workers in the community and I told them my vision of what it is that I want to do. And they was like, Renee, these people are not going to pay for what you have to offer. I was like, I'm going to show you. And so I put flyers out there in the community. I rented the space. And when it came time to do the event, nobody showed up. So even though I had a passion for that particular demographic of people, they were not willing to pay money for what I had to offer. So I had to pivot. So what I ended up doing was finding corporations, a nonprofit agency, and they ended up sponsoring the training. And so by them sponsoring the training, I was able to make all of this information free for the community. And I was able to have food there and and door prizes and books and other things. That was a draw to get them in without me having to have any expenses on my own. So sometimes, and I love that you said that being effective, sometimes you have to pivot and do things differently and look at other strategies, even though you have a passion for doing something, because sometimes passion doesn't pay the bills. That's right. Like this past weekend, I went to a military veteran startup conference out in San Francisco because I host a podcast, right? I want to get more listeners. I'm looking at who do I need to interview for the show, right? I can run around all day on the internet, but when they're going to be in one location at the same time, that's an opportunity to take advantage of. And so, you know, I flew out there and was able to go to that. And so now I have so many more entrepreneurs I'm able to bring on this platform, angel investors, venture capitalists, et cetera, that can really, you know, give our listeners what they need to know. Um, in order to be successful. So, you know, again, focusing on being effective. And if you don't know how to be effective, I encourage you to go back and listen to one of our earlier episodes on how to be an effective executive. So, Renee, you and I are very similar because people see us and they say, how do you have all this going on? you got the book publishing. You've got the basketball team. You're doing the workshop series. I've got the podcast agency. I'm hosting shows. I'm doing boxing. I'm writing the book. Talk to us about your long-term goal. What's your BHAG, that big, hairy, audacious goal? Like, what are you working towards? 
So I'm laying the foundation for it now. And that is like really um, beefing up my training at the trainer program. So I want to be able to train other people to do exactly what it is that I do, where I can really kind of take that step back. And right now I created an amazing book publishing trainer trainer program. I'm training other book publishing ladies and book publishing guys to do what it is that I do. And so by me doing that, you know, I'm helping them to set up their own business. I'm also showing them how they can generate income and have major impact on individuals by helping them publish their books. But the bigger picture is that I have all these individuals out here now that are doing the Renee Bob way. So I've actually created a system that allows me to be able to leave the legacy. So my big hairy goal was to be able to do that in other industries with the entrepreneurship training that I do with the basketball team, I'm getting ready to do a master class with the basketball because there's so many people that want to own their own professional basketball team. And I'm going to create that system and then do a trainer trainer so I can train others on how to do what it is that I actually do. That's powerful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad the community is listening because now we can amplify and support those efforts. Now, one thing I got to riff on and we went to it, we talked about on the beginning is business coaching. Okay. When I was team struggle bus, treading water, you know, nonprofit struggling, right? I was just like, I need help. I didn't know what an executive coach was, but I just started telling people I need an executive coach. And then eventually I was able to get a business coach by the name of Bill Watkins, who I had on this platform. The number one piece of advice I find myself giving to entrepreneurs is to get a business coach. And I know it sounds so like out of left field to a lot of them, but I'm just like, I know my life before having a business coach, and I know what it's like now. And to be quite frank, as a African-American male, right, I didn't know a lot of people that had business coaches. So when I came across your content on LinkedIn and saw that you were traveling from a retreat with your business coach, I was like, man, another one, right? And so then you start to figure out that of all these successful entrepreneurs you come across, there's all these things that behind the scenes that people don't know about. You mentioned having a virtual assistant having a business coach, all these different things, right? Talk to us about why you decided to invest in coaching and how it's been able to impact your journey. So because I'm an athlete, I've always had a coach, right? You know, from middle school to playing in the Staten Island, you know, basketball association, right? When I was younger, I've always had someone that was in my ear, you know, always amplifying the good things that I have within myself. So it just kind of made sense as I began to make the transition to entrepreneurship to have someone that could do the same thing, could not only amplify what I'm doing, be in my ear, push me to the next level, but also give me some new tools, new information that I can use to kind of scale what it is that I'm doing. So, you know, the business coach that I currently have now, I mean, it challenges me like never before. And I need that challenge. Like I need, and I also have another coach who, um, you know, she's a business coach, but she allows me like three minutes to whine and cry and she puts a timer on. And then after that three minutes of whining and crying, she'll go back and say, well, Renee, what are you going to do to solve the problem? So I have different business coaches for different things. I have a spiritual coach also. So my coaches are individuals that kind of get around me and help me. You know, I have these big goals and dreams that I aspire to, but they hold me, hold me accountable that I say I'm going to do something, but what is the behavior that I have that supports that goal and that dream? And so 
here in Nashville, I work out of the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and they have advisors. And because you're a member, you get access to all these th- over 300 advisors and they will give you one hour of their time. And so if I'm having an issue with a particular thing, I can go to an advisor and get that kind of information. And what that does is speeds up my learning and it speeds up my experience also. I don't have to make the same mistake that they've made, right? I'm going to make my own mistakes, but they can kind of help me through any problem or situation that I'm dealing with. For our listeners, right? I know this is kind of, out of y'all are probably like business coaching. What is going on, right? It's okay. If you can't afford business coaching, there's advisors out there. Like Renee said, people that want to help you win. They might be tied to your local community, right? They might be a professor at a university or somebody within your network, right? But these are the things that are going to help you because they're going to be people you can go to that have been there and done that, right? I want to ask you though, what with when it comes to certain things like business coaching and admin, right? We never, people assume like you, there's always like the right time. Like you just have all this money sitting in the bank account that you go out and can invest in a coach and an admin, right? What made you want to take the financial investment to do it? What gave you the confidence to be able to do that? Because when I look at my time management, like there wasn't enough time in the day for me to do all the things that I desired to do. And I realized that I was the cog in the wheel, Right. And so in order to kind of, you know, move things along, I had to make a decision. But the first thing I had to do was take a step back. And I had to make a list of if I was to bring on a virtual assistant, what are the things that they would be doing? And then also, what are the things that they can do that could be income generating activities, which means that the things that they're doing are going to bring me some revenue in so that I'm able to be able to pay them. And so I also, when it comes to coaching, got to a place where it's like, you know, I keep doing the same things over and over again and I'm not getting anywhere. So something needs to change. So I needed to get with somebody that had been, like you said, been there, done that. And I even picked up um, Brendan Bouchard um, and he's a motivational speaker, training coach. And um, he sold $4.8 million worth of books in less than one year. Can I learn something from him? Absolutely can. So I started studying his YouTube videos. And that was another form of coaching where I was able to learn and participate in some of the free coaching sessions that he had and use some of that content in my company. Some of the best content, some of the best coaching I get, and this is free, y'all, are these back podcast catalogs. Podcasts that have been there since like 2012. You know, these people are uber successful now, and you can go back and listen to how they think and how they build. And many of them have podcasts as well. So there's just so many opportunities to get poured into. But the thing about investing in a coach and the financial investment in a coach is that accountability, you know, that you're a client of theirs. So, you know, in order for them to win, you have to win as well. So, you know, I that is just a piece of advice I give. And since Renee is on the show, I just wanted to, to ask you about that. And again, we understand everyone's at different places in their lives, but as you start to move forward, right, these are the things that you're finding out that successful entrepreneurs have. Absolutely. And even with the clients that I work with, with them, coaching them, like my goal is to identify what's the block, like what is it that's keeping them from getting to where they want to go, help them to get some short term wins up front. And then it just opens up the floodgate because a lot of times it's fear, false evidence appearing real. 
It's a lack of knowledge and it's confidence. Now, Breaking Barriers and Entrepreneurship Workshop Series. There's a lot of programs going on in the bunker right now, right? You've got, well, three core. Ambassador programs, veterans and residents, CEO circle. Talk to us about the workshop series and where it fits in these. So the workshop series is is pretty much the entry level for an entrepreneur coming into Bunker. So we look for entrepreneurs that have been in business for about a year. um, And it's geared towards Black, female, Latinx, and Asian American entrepreneurs. And so the goal is to create a safe space for them where they can share some of their challenges and their issues. And then it's my job to bring speakers in such as yourself to provide the information they need to help them to overcome those challenges. So the one thing I would have to say that I hear a lot from the entrepreneurs that they love that they see people that look like them, that have been through some of the issues that they've been through, and it just gives them a sense of confidence that they can make it through and acceptance that their journey is so different from many others' journey. Like a lot of you know minorities, they may not go after, like you said, venture capital, but they bootstrap. How do you bootstrap? And then they have a plethora of people around them that are going through the same scenario. So we've been doing it now for 18 months, had a little bit over 200 entrepreneurs to come through the program, and it's doing very, very well. What's interesting to me, having you know taught at a lot of these, I don't even know how, I've lost count, y'all. It's probably like <laughs> 10. But we say that it's like entry-level entrepreneurs, but then I get in there, and they're entrepreneurs that are running very successful trucking companies, et cetera. Not only that, they're coming back to the workshop series Right. They do two, three. They just love the environment and the community. Why do you think that is? They call it the hour of power. And so it's like they share their wins. And when when someone says a win, everybody claps and support them. And so sometimes in the entrepreneurial journey, they don't have those type of relationships. They don't have that kind of environment where they're getting support. They're getting information. And then I hold them accountable. So they're also getting some coaching where Here's your homework assignment. And I give them one-on-one time and they're not coming to the one-on-one time if they have not done that, their homework assignment. So they like that accountability. They love the speakers. They love the information and they love the level of success that they're getting because they're participating in the workshop series. And then we've also had people that have been in the veterans and residents that do the workshop series. So, you know, I think externally at times people are like, is this a good fit for me? And how do they know whether or not it would be a good fit for them. So one would be, are you at a place in your business where you need some support? Like, you know, you've gone to all these different types of workshops and seminars, but you're not getting what you need. That's one. Number two, that camaraderie. So like I can go into the VA hospital right now and I can sit in the lobby and I can have a conversation with everybody in that hospital because we have the military in common. So is that also, it's like being in a space where others share that same experience that you've been through. Some have different experiences, but you can learn and gain from people that are actually in the cohort. And it's a cohort model. It's it's eight weeks long, you know, and then we have a big winner's circle at the end where we bring in a guest speaker that will, you know, share some motivational insight with them. So, you know, people tend to love, and again, like you said, they keep coming back over and over again because it's the environment. It's the safe space. Yeah, it definitely feels like community. And it's yeah. just like, you can let your guard down, you know. And one of the things I always do when I come to workshop series is, hey, how much revenue are y'all earning? Is there anybody earning more than half a million? You know, is there anybody earning this? And we've got to get comfortable addressing these things and saying these things because, like you said, you that's one of the first things a coach asks you. How much revenue are you earning? 
you know, marbles in your mouth, right? $200 a week. All right. Well, now they know what they can work with. But if you don't, if we're not being open and honest and we're just holding on to this ourselves and we're feeling like failures and we're feeling like all this other stuff, we're never going to be able to uh, assess the real problems in our businesses and do the things that are going to get us to the next level. So I wholeheartedly endorse the workshop series. Again, I do the marketing and branding for many of them. So if y'all are listening and you feel like you need help, right? Not only do you have this podcast, but you got the workshop series that Renee leads, right? You got veterans and res. You got all these programs in the bunker. You don't have to go at it alone. We're here and we are creating opportunities to support you. So Renee, we've talked about a lot of stuff today. We've talked about your entrepreneurial background. We know you're killing it with the book publishing and the basketball team. I want to do two things. Number one, let our community of listeners know how we can support and amplify your work with your book publishing business and your basketball your basketball team. Heck, you as the entrepreneur, Renee Bob, and then also let us know how we can do the same for the work you do here at Bunker with the Breaking Bears and Entrepreneurship Workshop Series. Thank you. And so I'm always looking for entrepreneurs that are interested in kind of scaling what it is that they do. And they can go to ReneeBobTraining.com and I offer, you know, one-on-one coaching. I have a 90-day coaching program that's available. And then with the Music City Icons, we're getting ready to take um, a team to Puerto Rico to try out for the Puerto Rico. We won last year, the um, Puerto Rico International Basketball Tournament. So we're getting ready to do it again. And they can go to the MusicCityIcons.com to learn more. And I'm always looking for basketball players, female basketball players that are looking for that next opportunity. Um, and then we also secure sponsorship dollars um, to kind of support the efforts. And then with um, the Breaking Barriers, they can go to Bunko Online and find out more about the Breaking Barriers. We have another workshop series that will be starting in April. And so anybody that's interested in participating, again, it's an eight-week program. And the goal is, you know, be in business for about a year. Um, and, you know, the goal is, you know, come in expecting to get something, Right come in with high expectations, and but you have to be willing to do the work. And so if you're willing to do the work, you have these high expectations, we can kind of meet you where you are. Love it. Love it. And uh, listen, I have been trying to get Renee on this podcast for a minute. Her <laughs> time is worth $10,000 a minute, y'all. She's, you know, she's bringing in millions of bucks doing her book publishing. Absolutely. She gave us this time here with you all, and she runs a phenomenal program for The Bunker. So I want to make sure I encourage everyone uh, listening to take advantage of that. Also, for all of you tuning in, make sure you subscribe to the transition newsletter at the link in the show notes. I try to send out a newsletter at least once a week. I dropped the ball last week, Renee, because I was at that startup conference, but I'm going to make up for it this week. But I share the latest episode of the transition and uh, also any uh, resources that you all might need to uh, succeed on your entrepreneurial journey. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Iron Mike Stedman or LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman to let me know your feedback on the podcast, what topics and content you'd like me to cover. But more importantly, make sure you're also checking out BunkerLabs.org and taking advantage of all the amazing opportunities we got for you here in the Bunker. Ambassador Program, CEO Circle, Veterans and Residents. We even have a newsletter to promote a lot of the events taking place all across the country. So make sure you're heading to BunkerLabs.org and sign up for that. Until next week, everyone, we appreciate you all for tuning in. Peace, love, and have a great rest of your week.